and um, the likes of them, eschatology and all the many um, um, studies of the scriptures. You must understand the audience. Every message has an audience. So you must understand who was talking and who was he talking to. Are you aware that a lot of the um, scriptures that even that Jesus even said directly to his disciples did not apply to the new creation? Because he was talking to people who had not become born again. And it was the reason why the Holy Spirit had to come after the resurrection. And if you if you if you are if you're detailed in the Bible, you would you would realize that most of the 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 new creation rema, the new creation scripture was given by the Apostle Paul. And I could see why the ministry of Apostle Paul was very important to Jesus, that Jesus himself had to go after him. Because the message of Apostle Paul was for the church, the church that was born out of the resurrection of Christ, the new creation. Often Jesus was talking to the, the, the children. For instance, he was talking to disciples in Matthew 7, 7. And he said, ask and you would receive. Seek and you will find, knock and the door shall be opened unto you. But in Christ, the door we came, the door was open. In Christ, he said, I blessed you with all things that pertain unto life and godliness. So in Christ, we didn't have to ask. We, we were born into the provision of what we would have asked for. In Christ, we came, the door was open. Christ became the way. He said, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. So he became the way. You didn't have to knock. You just walked in. The door has always been open for the new creation. So you must understand in the study of the scripture who the audience is. Is the audience you? That is you that was born after the new creation. And this is what Pastor is trying to tell us in the first chapter, in the first paragraph. So we quote many scriptures. Then there are even ministries that found their gospel on the Old Testament. That's even so, so backward. It's not because those things do not apply. But when Christ came, he fulfilled the Old Testament. And the things that were important in the Old Testament, you will see Jesus quote it and you will see the Apostle Paul also quote it. For instance, back in the days, if you wore jean and you wore another, another kind of um, shirt, that is maybe you wore a linen and then you wore a jean trouser, it was, it was not okay. But all of those things went with Christ. He dealt with them. He fulfilled all the law and, and, and came out a fulfillment of the law and gave us the free gift of righteousness without the fulfillment of the law. In Christ, we met all the conditions of the law. Recall that the old covenant was abrogated because it made nothing perfect. You might ask, how about the covenant of healing? Didn't God say in Exodus 23, 25, I will take sickness away from the midst of thee. He also said in Isaiah 53, verse five, but he was wounded for our transgressions. He was bruised for our iniquities. The chastisement of our peace was upon him and with his stripes we are healed. This was Jesus before he died. And we are a product of the resurrection. So this wasn't you he was talking about. Now, none of these two references, I'm reading the third paragraph, is for the Christian. You see, I, I, I take time sometimes to explain it so that, because sometimes when I just, if I just read it, you say, ah, what is Pastor Chris saying? 
I'm helping you understand certain contests. At least we all went to school and we didn't go to school to be dummies. We didn't go to school to come out and not be able to analyze and to ask questions. So he said, now, none of these two references is for the Christian. God didn't make a covenant of healing with the new creation. The covenant of healing was for Israel. When, when Jesus said on the cross, it is finished, that is in John 19.30, that was the end of the old covenant. It's important to understand who the Christian really is. The Christian is one with the God life, a life that doesn't require healing because it doesn't get sick. You either believe this or you believe this. You may say, oh, but I, I, I often get sick. You just have to come to terms of, of who you are. You, you are like that child that the father probably passed on and then left um, a will. And in that will, they left you a trillion dollars. And then your landlord is harassing you for house rent and throwing you out of the company, yet you have money. So the problem is not that you, are, you don't have money. The, pro the problem is that you do not know. So if you've always been falling sick, the problem is not that you do not have a right. You, do not, you did not receive the life that does not get sick, is that you don't know. So the devil is playing with your ignorance. Is that the Christian is one with the God life, a life that doesn't require healing because it doesn't get sick. Why are many sick then? Ignorance. God said, my people are destroyed for their lack of knowledge. Hosea 4.6. Yesterday, Pastor was talking about the fact that there is a message that produces healing. This is one of such messages. This is, a, this is a, a devotional that you read, and if there was any sickness in any part of your body, you get angry. You know when you come to terms with the fact that the landlord knew that you were rich and very wealthy. In fact, the landlord was one of the people that were there when your father gave you the stuff. And he was harassing you for rent, rent that you can buy the house and buy one million of those kind of houses. You become angry. In fact, imagine you find out that the house is actually your own. The Bible says, but is the spirit of him that raised up Jesus from the dead dwell in you. He that raised up Christ from the dead shall also quicken your mortal, death doomed bodies by his spirit that dwelleth in you romans 8 verse 11 the holy spirit who raised jesus from the dead lives in you and has vitalized your mortal body that means your body isn't death doomed or sickness prone anymore hallelujah god's people must know live and spread the truth when you become a christian and you receive the holy spirit you should never be sick again in your life what you need is the consciousness of the divine life in you and the fact that the Holy Spirit parambulates in you to ward off every anomaly and keep you in health. And the question is, how does it do this parambulating? And this is where the place of speaking in tongues comes. When you speak in tongues, you stare the parambulation within you. It's out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters. This happens when you speak in tongues. The other day I shared on the group the power of tongues. For the sake of those who probably just joined, I'd like for one of our admins to reshare it. Read about, read the power of tongues. What does it do? When we say we speak in tongues as Christians, some of us came from ministries where it's not a big deal. It's a big deal to God. If he wasn't, he would not send the Holy Spirit. He would not fill the apostles on that day of Pentecost with the evidence of speaking in tongues. If it was not important, it would not be documented in the scriptures. You must take God serious when he takes a matter serious. 
Don't take the doctrines of men serious that don't align with the doctrines that God documented for us. At the end of the day, the Bible is the final arbiter of all truths. All truths begin in Revelation, in Genesis and ends in Revelation. So we do the word, we don't do the doctrines of men. And this is why we have men of God who teach us according to the doctrines of the scriptures. Paul said, follow me as I follow Christ. Be sure that the person you are following is following Christ. This is one reason I'm ever bold to introduce anybody to my man of God, Pastor Chris. I'm certain that that man, would de- that man of God would deliver me to Christ on the rapture. Not just getting me to heaven, but he will get me mature with fruits where I will stand before Christ and it will be said that I did all that I was supposed to do. And I became the woman of God's dream for my life. So Rhapsody every day is exposing us to truths. And the best we can do is expose our spirit to receive everything. You you may not have heard it before. It may not be the gospel you are used to. Just receive it because it is the word of God for the now. Praise God. I'm going to hand over to Sister Joy. She's going to take us through the um, further study and then the affirmation, the Rhapsody Confession. Thank you so much, everybody. God bless you. Good morning, Ma. Good morning, everyone. Thank you so much, Ma, for the opportunity. Isaiah 33, verse 24, it says, And no inhabitant of Zion will say, I am sick. The people who dwell there will be forgiven their iniquity and guilt. Proverbs 4, 20 to 22. My son, pay attention to what I say. Turn your ear to my words. Do not let them out of your sight. Keep them within your heart, for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. Romans 8.10 But if Christ is in you, then even though your body is subject to death because of sin, the Spirit gives life because of righteousness. Praise God. Um, So right now, we're going to be taking the confession. So you don't have to unmute your mic. You can just um, say it after me wherever you are. The same Spirit that raised up Christ from the dead has vitalized my body. Sickness has no place in me because the life of God permeates me through and through. I live in divine health and impact my world with the God life in me. In Jesus' name. Amen. Praise the Lord. Thank you so much, Sister Maka, for the opportunity. Thank you so much, Sister Joy. So over to you, Brother Jose, to take us through the New Testament Bible study for today. Praise God. Thank you so much, Sister Maka. Good morning, everybody. Okay, we're going through the book of Matthew. We're reading the message translation. So I'll be sharing my screen at the moment. Give me a minute. Okay, so we're going through the message translation. And yesterday we're reading Matthew chapter 18. Uh, we read 17 and 18. Uh, we got to a point where um, Jesus was talking about um, the guy, um, the person, the shepherd that lost his 99 sheep and um, they had 90, that um, lost one sheep and left the 99 to go and look for one. So just telling you how much Jesus loves um, that one soul that is lost and he will do everything and go to every limit to bring that person into the kingdom. 
And today we're going into um, Matthew 18 from verse 15. So it says, if a fellow believer hurts you, go and tell him, walk it out between the two of you. If he listens, you have made a friend. If he won't listen, take one or two others along so that the presence of witnesses will keep things honest and try again. If he still won't listen, tell the church. If he won't listen to the church, you have to start over from scratch. Confront him with the need for repentance and offer again God's forgiving love. Take this most seriously. A yes on earth is yes in heaven and a no on earth is no in heaven. What you say to one another is eternal. I mean this, when two of you get together on anything at all on earth and make a prayer of it, my father in heaven goes into action. And when two or three of you are together because of me, you can be sure that I will be there. So this is Jesus teaching of, of the authority of the believer of what, when we declare things here on earth, it's been established. When we come together in unity and we go for a matter, it's established. Verse 21, a story about forgiveness. At that point, Peter got up, got up the nerve to ask, Master, how many times do I forgive a brother or sister who hurts me? Seven, Jesus replied. Seven, hardly. Try 70 times seven. The kingdom of God is like a king who decided to square accounts with his servants. As he got on the way, one servant was brought before him who had run up a debt of $100,000. He couldn't pay up. So the king ordered the man, along with his wife, children, and goods, to be auctioned off at the slave market. The poor wretch threw himself at the king's feet and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. Touched by his plea, the king left him off, erasing the debt. The servant was no sooner out of the room when he came upon one of his fellow servants who owed him $10. He seized him up by the throat and demanded, pay up now. The poor wretch threw himself down and begged, give me a chance and I'll pay it all back. But he wouldn't do it. He had him arrested and put in jail until the debt was paid. When the other servants saw this going on, they were outraged and brought a detailed report to the king. This was someone that was forgiven $100,000 and couldn't forgive someone for $10. The king summoned the man and said, you evil servants, I forgave your entire debt when you begged me for mercy. Shouldn't you be compelled to be merciful to your fellow servants who asked for mercy? The king was furious and put the screws to the man until he paid back his entire debt. And that's exactly what my father in heaven is going to do to each one of you who doesn't forgive unconditionally anyone who asks for mercy. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Brother Jose. You know, it, it just reminds me of, um, um, you know, I, I, as, we, as we read, I saw um, where Jesus was talking about how to settle a matter, right? In recent times, we saw, for those of you in Nigeria, you remember a story of where um, some so-called church guys took their pastor to the social media to say, oh, this pastor did this 20 years ago, this pastor did that. And my point is, do we go to the media to settle issues? 
so it was not a case of whether it was right or it was it, it was true or it was false is the fact that we don't do things like that in our kingdom so look at what the scripture said today if you read from verse um, um, 15 it was telling you how to settle a matter it's a go talk to the person if somebody has offended you go talk to the person so don't start talking to everybody about what the person has done and the person doesn't even have an idea or even if the person have an idea, you have not given that person a chance to say, oh, see what you did. Maybe the person doesn't know. And he says, go talk to the person, you yourself. Then if a person doesn't listen, he said, take somebody, maybe the person's leader in church, say, ah, at least if he does not listen to me, he will listen to our leader. Carry the leader, go and talk to the person. He said, if he doesn't, then get the church. Talk, maybe take it higher in the church leadership. He said, if a person still doesn't listen, he said, start from the number one process. He said, brother, I've brought our leaders. I've spoken to you. He, do you know, he said, go and start from the number one again. <laughs> See, um, the gospel is what it is. If you want to do the word, you do the word. I, I, I will tell you what I need to tell you. I don't have to go talk about it to everybody. We'll jump to the Old Testament. We'll jump to the Old Testament immediately. And I'm going to call... Um, brother john to take us through um so today we're reading exodus chapter 10 11 and 12 so brother john will take us through chapter 10. thank you very much mom so um i'm going to read as fast as possible because we have three chapters so um strike eight <coughs> locusts no first of all i was really glad when bishop mcclellan was was ministering yesterday and I was just happy that, that I was in this uh, session yesterday and everything was just making more and more sense. So strike eight, locusts, God said to Moses, go to Pharaoh, I've made him stubborn, him and his servants, so that I can force him to look at these signs. And so you will be able to tell your children and grandchildren how I toiled with the Egyptians like a cat with a mouse. You would tell them the stories of the signs that I brought down on them so that you, you all know that I am God. Moses and Aaron went to Pharaoh and said to him, God, the God of the Hebrews says, how long are you going to refuse to knuckle under? Release my people so that they can worship me. If you refuse to release my people, watch out. Tomorrow I'm bringing locusts into your country. They will cover every square inch of ground. No one will be able to see the ground. They will devour everything left over from the hailstone, even the saplings out of the fields. They will clear cut the trees and they will invade your houses, filling the houses of your servants, filling every house in Egypt. Nobody will ever, nobody will have ever seen anything like this from the time your ancestors first set foot on this soil until this day. Then he turned on his heel and left Pharaoh. <laughs> he actually ran away from Pharaoh's servant said to him, how long are you going to let this man harass us? Let these people go and worship their God. Can't you see that Egypt is on its last legs? So Moses and Aaron were brought back to Pharaoh. He said to them, go ahead then. Go worship your God, but just who exactly is going with you? <clears throat> Moses said, We are taking young and old, sons and daughters, flocks and herds, 
this is our worship celebration of God. He said, I would sooner send you off with God's blessings than let you go with your children. Look, you are up to no good. It is written all over your faces. No way. Just the men are going. Go ahead and worship your God. That's what you want so badly. And they were thrown out of Pharaoh's presence. God said to Moses, stretch your hand over Egypt and signal the locust to cover the land of Egypt, devouring every blade of grass in the country, everything that the hail didn't get. Moses stretched out his staff over the land of Egypt. God let loose an east wind. It blew that day, that day and night. By morning, the east wind had brought in the, lo in the locusts. The locusts covered the country of Egypt, settling over every square inch of Egypt. The place was thick with locusts. There never was an invasion of locusts like it in the past and never will be again. The ground was completely covered, black with locusts. They ate everything, every blade of grass, every piece of fruit, anything that the hail didn't get, nothing left but bare trees and bare fields, not a sign of green in the whole land of Egypt. Hmm. Pharaoh had Moses and Aaron back in no time. He, he said, I have sinned against your God and against you. Overlook my sin one more time. Pray to your God to get me out of this. Get death out of here. Moses left Pharaoh and prayed to God. God reversed the wind. A powerful west wind took the locusts and dumped them into the Red Sea. There wasn't a single locust left in the whole country of Egypt. But God made Pharaoh stubborn as ever. He still didn't release the Israelites. Strike nine, darkness. God said to Moses, stretch your hand to the skies. Let darkness descend on the land of Egypt. A darkness so dark, you can touch it. Moses stretched out his hand to the skies. Thick darkness descended on the land of Egypt for three days. Nobody could see anybody. For three days, no one could so much as move, except for the Israelites. Hallelujah. They had light where they were living. Oh, glory. Pharaoh called in Moses, go and worship your, go and worship God. Leave your flocks and heads behind, but go ahead and take your children. But Moses said, you have to let us take our sacrificial animals and offerings with us, so we can sacrifice them in worship to our God. Our livestock has to go with us, with not a hoof left behind. They are part of the worship of our God, and we don't know just what will be needed until we get there. But God kept Pharaoh stubborn as ever. He wouldn't agree to release them. Pharaoh said to Moses, get out of my sight and watch your step. I don't want to ever see you again. If I lay eyes on you again, you are dead. Moses said, have it your way. You won't see my face again. Praise God. Praise God. Hallelujah. You know, yesterday, as um, Bishop McClendon was sharing from these passages, I think, I don't know if it happened to all of you guys too. I think what, happened, what played out in America was what came to mind, right? And it seemed like we had prayed, we had prayed, we had prayed. 
and it seemed like the enemy was still having its way. And of course, Pastor now came and sealed the whole deal. There's too much money had gone into that thing. Our money that we are putting into the gospel has not equated it yet. Praise God. Okay, so over to Pastor Deborah. She'll take us through chapter 11 quickly, and then I'll take us through chapter 12. Praise God. Good morning, Ma. Thank you so much for the opportunity. Good morning, everyone. Strike 10, death. God said to Moses, I'm going to hit Pharaoh and Egypt one final time, and then he will let you go. When he releases you, that will be the end of Egypt for you. He won't be able to get rid of you fast enough. So here's what you do. Tell the people to ask each man from his neighbor and each woman from her neighbor for things made of silver and gold. God saw to it that the Egyptians liked the people. Also, Moses was greatly admired by the Egyptians, a respected public figure among both Pharaoh's servants and the people at large. Then Moses confronted Pharaoh. God's message, at midnight, I will go through Egypt and every firstborn child in Egypt will die. From the firstborn of Pharaoh, who sits on his throne, to the firstborn of the slave girl working at her hand mill. Also, the firstborn of animals, widespread, widespread wailing will erupt all over the country. Laments, laments, laments such as has never been and never will be again. But against the Israelites, man, woman, or animal, there won't be so much as a dog back so that you will know that God makes a clear distinction between Egypt and Israel. Then all these servants of yours will go to their knees, begging me to leave. Leave you and all your people who follow you, and I will most certainly leave. Moses, seen, Moses sit, sit, sitting with anger, left Pharaoh. <laughs> God said to Moses, Pharaoh's not going to listen to anything you say, so that the signs of my presence and work are going to multiply in the land of Egypt. Moses and Aaron had performed all these signs in Pharaoh's presence, but God turned Pharaoh more stubborn than ever. Yet again, he refused to release the Israelites from his land. Praise God. Hallelujah. Thank you so much, Pastor Debbie. You know, this chapter 10, this chapter 11, I was just laughing because how those, the Bible says God made the Israelites love the, um, made the Egyptians love the Israelites. Was it not the same people that were putting them under slavery? Was it not the same people that were demonstrating so much wickedness? See, God is big. <laughs> He's not a man. Is that he made the Egyptians love the children of Israel. And then the Egyptians honored and respected Moses. And, you know, I, I was just saying that. Bishop McLeodon said something. He said, God shows his goodness through our lives so that he doesn't need to explain to anybody that he's God. May your enemies love you so much so that others will testify that only God can do such things in a man. Praise God. Hallelujah. So I'll take us quickly through the final chapter for the Bible study today, and that's Exodus chapter 12. And God said to Moses and Aaron, why still in Egypt? This month is to be the first month of the year for you. Address the whole community of Israel. Tell them that on the third day of this month, each man is to take a lamb for his family, one lamb to a house. 
If the family is too small for a lamb, then share it with a close neighbor, depending on the number of persons involved. Be mindful of how each person will eat. Your lamb must be a healthy male, one year old. You can select it from either the sheep or the goat. Keep it penned until the 14th day of the month and then slaughter it. The entire community of Israel, we do this at dusk. Then take some of the blood and smear it on the two doorsteps and the lintel of the houses in which you will eat. You are to eat the meat roasted in the fire that night along with bread made without yeast and bitter herbs. Don't eat any of it raw or boiled in water. Make sure it's roasted, the whole animal, head, legs, and innards. Don't leave any of it until morning. If they are leftovers, burn them in the fire. And here is how you are to eat it. Be fully dressed. Be fully dressed with your sandals on and your stick in your hand. It's in a hurry. It's the Passover to God. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm thinking about this whole situation. This was yesterday. Moses had been basically chased out of the, the, the palace. The king had refused that they would go. And then God is telling them, get ready to go. When things don't look like the way God has said it will be for you, and he tells you to take an opposite action, do you respond? It is the reason many people have not come out of the situation. But today is a day of passing over. Because some of us are, be, are about to pass over from a situation that has held us bound for long to the next side, to the next level. Verse 13, I will go through the land of Egypt on this night and strike down every firstborn in the land of Egypt, whether human or animal, and bring judgment on all the gods of Egypt. I am God. Ah, Sakalabaya. The blood will serve as a sign on the houses where you live. When I see the blood, I will pass over you. No disaster will touch you when I strike the land of Egypt. See, brothers and sisters, think about the fact that you were born by the blood. You, this is the, see, this is significant of what Christ did for us. In Christ, we passed over. In Christ, you have passed over from death to life. In Christ, you have passed over from sickness to health. This is what today's rhapsody was talking about. The guy in Christ cannot be sick. There is no seekable thing in him. Is there no disaster will touch you when I strike the land of Egypt? This will be a memorial day for you. You will celebrate it as a festival to God down through the generations. A feast, fixed festival separation to be observed always. You will eat unraised bread. That's Mark, Mark Zot. For seven days, on the first day, get rid of all the yeast from the house, from your houses. Anyone who eats anything with yeast from the first day to the seventh day will be cut off from Israel. The first and the seventh days are set aside as holy. Do no work on those days. Only what you have to do for meals. Each person can do that. The 17, keep the festival of the unraised bread. The festival of unraised bread. This marks the exact day I brought you out in force from the land of Egypt. Honor the day down through your generations. A fixed festival to be observed always. In the first month, beginning on the 14th day at the evening until the 20th, the 21st day at evening, you are to eat unraised bread. For those seven days, not a trace of yeast is to be found in your houses. Anyone, whether a visitor or a native of the land who eats anything raised shall be cut off from the community of Israel. Don't eat anything raised, only matzoth. 
Moses assembled all the elders of Israel. He said, select a lamb for your families and slaughter the Passover lamb. Take a bunch of high soap and dip it in the bowl of blood and smear it on the lintel and on the two doorposts. No one is to leave the house until morning. God will pass through to strike Egypt down. When he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, God will pass over the doorway. See, this is how whenever the enemy of death comes, when a Christian is there, he doesn't see the Christian. He sees someone marked by the blood. Someone who the blood paid the sacrifice for everything about that one and then death pass over. This is why it is, it is unscriptural for a Christian to die. It is unscriptural for a Christian to die by accident, by sickness. This may be big, but in reality, the Christian is not supposed to die. Jesus said something. He said, there are those who will be still be alive when I come. We will get there in the scriptures. And I was telling my friend, I say, I know that somewhere in this world, there are people. Meanwhile, we watch movies. Don't you see those movies where they tell us that this person has lived for 1,000 years? Where did they get it from? They got it from the Bible. The devil always imitates the, what is from our kingdom. He doesn't have any new, new doctrine. He imitates and corrupts. That's all he does. He said, when he sees the blood on the lintel and the two doorposts, God will pass over the doorway. He won't let, let the destroyer enter your house to strike you down with ruin. Keep this word. It's the law for you and your children forever. There's something that Pastor Bishop McClendon said yesterday. He said, a curse is not God, not do, God doing something. Is God not doing something? Is God doing nothing? You, you notice that it, it says that the destroyer entered the house. It is telling you that God was not the one that destroyed Egypt. What he did was he stepped aside and allowed the destroyer. God refused to do nothing. And the destroyer did something. Every time a Christian rejects God, the destroyer is standing by. Most, and, and David said something. He said that, he, he said before before, before, um, 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 how, how did he put it? I'm, I'm trying to use the right words that he used. He said, before, before calamity came, right? He said, I'd already left the path. Who, who, who gets that particular scripture? There's a way he put it. Any of my co-hosts? We check, ma. Keep the word. It's the law for you and your children forever. When you enter the land which God will give you as he promised, keep doing this. And when your children say to you, before I was afflicted, I went astray. Thank you, brother Aaron. Yeah, he said, before I was afflicted, I went astray. So that means he knew that he had rejected God at that time. So God stepped aside, God did nothing. And that's when calamity struck. And when your children say to you, why are you doing this? Tell them it's a Passover sacrifice to God who passed over the homes of the Israelites in Egypt when he hit Egypt with death but rescued us. The people bowed and worshipped. The Israelites then went and did what God had commanded Moses and Aaron. They did it all at midnight, at midnight, at midnight. This time is somebody's midnight somewhere. Because God is dealing with those guys who have set themselves against you. 
Some of them vowed that on that job, that in that business, you will not make headway. Tonight is the Passover night for those ones. At midnight, God struck every firstborn in the land of Egypt, from the firstborn of Pharaoh who sits on his throne, right down to the firstborn of the prisoner locked up in jail. Also the firstborn of the animals, Pharaoh got up that night, he and all his servants and everyone else in Egypt. What wild wailing and lament in Egypt. There wasn't a house in which someone wasn't dead. There wasn't a house in which someone wasn't dead. Pharaoh called in Moses and Aaron that very night and said, get out of here and be done with you. You and your Israelites, go worship God on your own terms. Go worship God on your own terms. Go worship God on your own terms. We will be in this world on our own terms. We will serve God in this world on our own terms. The way that we want to, the way that God said to, the deep state will not dictate to us, else there shall be a Passover in this world. And it's happening already. It's happening already. Go worship God on your own terms. And yes, take your ship and cattle as you've insisted, but go and bless me. Leke This world will know that we were named by the name of Christ. This world, we ask that we bless them. This world will testify that these men are not ordinary men and their God is the God of all things, all creation. Verse 33, the Egyptians couldn't wait to get rid of them. They pushed them to hurry up, saying, we are all good as dead. The people grabbed their bread dough before it had risen, bundled their bread bowls in their cloaks and threw them over their shoulders. The Israel had already gone, what, had already done what Moses had told them. They had asked the Egyptians for silver and gold things and clothing. God saw to it, God saw to it, God saw to it that the Egyptians liked the people and so readily gave them what they asked for. Brothers and sisters, it doesn't matter who those enemies are. God will see to it that they work together for your favor. You will not be there. Your enemies will be on the panel that will discuss your promotion. They will push for you to get the contract. Relax. That is your God. Stop crying at night, praying that God will deliver you from, his, from your enemies. God is bigger than that. He does not want to deliver you from the enemies. He wants to set up a table for you in the presence of your enemies. That means your enemies will be at the table when your matter is being discussed for promotion, when your matter is being discussed for blessings, stop praying against your enemies. They shall be dead and they shall be participators in ensuring that your blessings are manifested. Oh yes, they picked those Egyptians clean. The Israelite moved on from Ramesset to Sutko, about 600,000 on foot beside their dependent. There was a, also a crowd of riffraff tagging along, not to mention the large flocks and herds of livestock. They begged, these were, these were the mixed multitude. The crowd of riffraff are Egyptians that followed the Israelites. They baked on raised cakes with the bread dough they had brought out of Egypt. He hadn't raised, they hadn't, they had, they, they had, They'd been rushed out of Egypt and hadn't time to fix food for the journey, the Passover, verse 40. 
I'm going to run. The Israelites had lived in Egypt 430 years. At the end of the 430 years, to the very day, God's entire army left Egypt. God kept watch at night, all night, watching over the Israelites as he brought them out of Egypt. Because God kept watch. All Israel, from, for all generations, we honor God by keeping watch this night, a watch night. Some of you cannot do one night. Maybe this message is for you. <laughs> God said to Moses and Aaron, these are the rules for the Passover. No foreigners are to eat it. Any slave, if he's paid for and circumcised, can eat it. No casual visitor or hired hand can eat it. Eat it in one house. Don't take the meat outside the house. Don't break any of the bones. The whole community of Israel is to be included in the meal. If an immigrant is staying with you and wants to keep the Passover to God, every male in his family must be circumcised. Then he can participate in the meal. He will then be treated as a native son, but no uncircumcised person can eat it. The same law applies both to the native and the immigrant who is staying with you. All the Israelites did exactly as God commanded Moses and Aaron. That very day, God brought the Israelites out of the land of Egypt, tribe by tribe. Hallelujah. As I read this last part, what came to my mind was a communion. You know, only, only the guy in Christ is allowed to break the communion, right? So every time that we break bread, we are declaring the Passover. We are declaring our Passover into greatness. We are declaring that that matter, that trouble in the office, that trouble in the industry, I pass over. So even this morning as we break bread, my brothers and my sisters, that matter is settled. That matter is settled. And see, beyond those times of devotion, in your personal time, when there is a matter, maybe you just got called into your boss's office and they say you are in trouble. This is why you should have the communion all the time. Go back to your office. Bring out the bread and the wine. Break the bread. Break the bread. Affirm that, see, trouble passed me over in Christ. Affirm that you cannot be in trouble. Because in Christ, you passed over all troubles, all sickness, all death, all doom. This is the life we've been called to live. When you understand these things, how can you be a victim in life? The life, the Christian life is for enjoyment, brothers and sisters. Don't suffer in this world. Don't refuse. Refuse to suffer. We're going to jump immediately to our affirmation. Zakala barado sekete lebrande legesite parida kabaya jaluskra antis ilegretis erezinte ilegesoto kobaya. Brother Martins, over to you. Zelebranto logobosa katila gabaya jala granta kaliga vasakataya. Oh, hallelujah. Brother Martins, over to you. Okay, um, praise the Lord. Before we take um, our affirmations, we start with your name and um, like you, um, let me give you a sample. My name is, then you go over the first paragraph. My name is, you go over the second paragraph like that. I, when the camera says, I know. At the count of three. One, two, three. My name is, when the camera says, I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation and knowledge of Christ. Eyes of my understanding, I enlighten so that I know the please we didn't unmute every other person so i'm going to do that now so that we will just take it again so um brother martins you're going to take the count again and everybody's going to go please go ahead praise the lord hallelujah 
Okay, let's go. One, two, three. My name is Olivia Martin. I have the spirit of wisdom and revelation in the knowledge of Christ. My understanding and enlightenment so that I know the riches of the glory and the riches of the glory of His heaven. I, Hannah, I am exceedingly walking of His mighty power. Praise the Lord, we are a few minutes behind schedule, and today we had three chapters of the Old Testament as as up to for what we usually would have. Um, First Corinthians chapter 11, immediately we'll go into the communion, so get your communion material, remember what I said. For I have received of the Lord, verse 23, that which also I delivered unto you, that the Lord Jesus, the same night in which he was betrayed, took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it and said, take it. This is my body, which is broken for you. This do in remembrance of me. Remember that the body was broken unto death, right? And the Passover was unto death. Yeah. So, Father, thank you. And what? Yes. After this. Okay. Yes. Take it. This is my body, which is broken for you. This doing remembrance of me. Lady, Lord Jesus, thank you. Thank you. Thank you. What you did for us was more than enough. What you did settled for everything we would ever need to pay for. Every trouble we would ever need to go through. Thank you, Father. Because today we affirm our victory in you. We affirm our greatness in you. We affirm our prosperity in you. We affirm our health in you. We affirm the divinity that you brought to us. The very life of God that made us gods in this world. And that's who we are. We are gods to our bosses. We are gods in the industries. We are gods in our families. We are gods in every place that we do business and we do life. By the power of the Holy Ghost and the ministry of angels. This is a done deal in the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Break the bread. And eat it. 
Verse 25, after the same manner also he took the cup. When he had stopped saying, this cup is the New Testament in my blood, this do ye as oft as ye drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as ye eat this bread and drink this cup, ye do shoot the Lord's death till he comes. So till the Lord comes, till the Lord comes, who would enjoy all that he died, was buried, resurrected, ascended, and was glorified that we might be. Together with him, we are seated in heavenly places, far above all principalities and powers, far above all dominions, all thrones, all rules in this world. It doesn't matter who they are, we are above them. We are above them. And that is our experience on a daily basis in the mighty name of our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. Take the cup. Glory to God. What a devotion. What a devotional time with the Lord. Thank you so much, everybody, for connecting. Ah, shakalabaya. Glory to God. Let's unmute and share the benediction. One, two, go, the grace of our Lord Thank you so much. Thank you so much.